Welcome to the Brodies. And we're back with an episode about mental health in the black community. I'm Mr. Brown. I'm Gerard. And this is Cass. One of the reasons why I wanted to bring this episode up, this topic up, I should say, just because a couple of weeks ago, I was having a conversation with one of my good friends, and we were talking about the mental health in the black community, how does it affect our children, how come there's not more of an emphasis on it, because growing up, I used to say, I believe all black kids or black people in general should go through some form of therapy just because of the stuff that we go through in our individual lives. And at this, uh, back then, my friend was more like, no, you just need God. Once you get God, you'll figure out all your issues. And I said, that is good, too. Don't get me wrong. But you still need somebody to physically talk to because God doesn't physically talk to you back. You know what I mean? So, and then a couple of weeks ago, flash forward, fast forward, then he was like, yeah, Kaz, I think you was right. Talking about, like, needing therapy in the black community, just somebody to talk to, because sometimes you just need a voice to talk to. So that spurred this conversation up with me. And I just wanted to get you guys' thoughts on what do you think about mental health in the black community? Well, first of all, just to, like, piggyback on what you've already said, um, I, the statement says faith without works is dead. And you can faith, you can have all the faith and trust and believe all you want. But if you're not putting in the work, it's all for naught. And we're not getting better because we're doing an over-reliance that God is going to fix everything in your life when God is trying to tell you, I put people into your life to help you. So you're ignoring the signs that I'm giving forth to you to get better because you are waiting for the divine hand of God when God is like, I created man in my image. Therefore, I'm right here with you right now. But you're ignoring my calling. You're ignoring my presence. And to look at the broader scope of do we need mental health in the black community, I'm a school teacher. And I work in an impoverished school. Most of the kids I teach get free lunch. Like, they don't even charge kids for lunch. Like, every child gets free lunch. Just offer it. If you go to school, you get free lunch because it's easier to do that way than to say, oh, you owe us a dollar, and then all the rest of y'all get free. It's, and I've been arguing the latest, the biggest impediment to education with the children I teach, the population I teach, is the poverty that they face all the time. We talk about affluenza that... They're, they're so rich they can't they don't understand morals and all this kind of stuff. Imagine the kind of trauma and stress of poverty that comes with it, where you do have high rampant use of drugs. Because hell, what you gonna do to get rid of all that stress in your life? That stress messes up that cortisone in your brain and has you jacked up, and you can't even function. You can't cope. So I'm screaming at the top of my lungs in the hallway. I'm kicking doors. I'm I'm pushing tables over. Just because I didn't get the right crayon. And we don't really address these issues that may come with a large sector that I see every day of these young black children that we're saying, hey, you too can be the president of the United States. You too can be the next mayor. But you ain't going to be anything until we address the mental issues that you may come across. <clears throat> wow. Uh, I, I definitely agree. Um, I feel like this topic here is really, really important. And just looking at it from, you know, me being a teacher as well and teaching first grade, um, looking at kids who we teach every day and knowing their stories and what they deal with day to day base. Um, I feel like when they come to school, home, like school is their home. They get food, they see their friends, they have teachers that love them and care about them. But when they leave, they go right back into that dark place until it's time to go to school again. So I think if, especially in the black community, if if you're struggling, if you have mental health issues, there's help out there. But I think as black America, I think we've always had this stigma as, oh, don't see a therapist, don't tell your business to people you don't know. No, like, you go through things in life and you, you sometimes you need that extra layer of support to help you get through certain certain obstacles in life. And it's nothing wrong with seeking professional help. I think everybody, whatever race you are, 
it's nothing wrong with seeing a therapist or a counselor just to talk about some things that you're going through. I mean, yes, you have your friends around you and they give you good advice, but sometimes you might need that professional help. And I just think that as as black Americans, like I think we really need to take advantage of that. There are services out there. There are people willing to help. But we have had this stigma for so long, like, oh, don't go here, don't go there. Just deal with it on your own. Pray about it. Which, yes, you know, pray, that's good. But sometimes you might need a little more than prayer to help you get through those dark days and times, I feel. And I know one of the things that just as African-American, there's a strong distrust with those or who are in authority, those who can have some kind of say in our life. Because historically speaking, black people have been messed over by doctors. We are ones that would love to have help, and we would love to get the guidance, but we're untrusting due to the historical parameters that have been placed upon our lives. Like, we don't call cops like we should, because we we don't trust cops. We don't go to the doctors like we should, because we don't Trust the doctors. And it's not a strong trust with putting your business out in the streets, like you said. Don't air your dirty laundry. That's why we have figures like a, a Robert Kelly to survive in the black community and thrive with his mental illness because no one was like, yo, bro, you need help. You need to talk to somebody. What you're doing is it normal behavior. But then again, who are we to dictate what is normal when... R. Kelly ain't the only R. Kelly in the hood. Definitely. R. Kelly ain't the only R. Kelly in the black community because I never want to say that all black people live in the hood. Like, you know, the creepy uncle or the creepy cousin or the, the, the auntie or the grandma or the grandpa, or the mom, the dad, the sister, the brother. All these people exist with no one saying, hey, instead of saying that child ain't right, avoid them, help them. Now, I feel you on that one because I know for me personally growing up, I think it was around, I like to say, fourth grade. That's when I, I had to see a therapist in elementary school. More so for anger issues, but <clears throat> but then that led to me opening up about some of the stuff that I was dealing with at home with, like, my mom and stuff. And those are some of the things that I still battle with to this day because I know I'm trying to look for a therapist just because you need an outside source to talk to. Just because you could talk to your friends, but there's always that fear of being judged by your friend just because, hey, you have to, like, see them, you interact with them, they see you more on, like, a different level. At least with the therapist, it's usually an outside factor that has no, they have nothing, they don't know you, they don't know your friends, they don't know what you're talking about. They're literally just an outside voice that can give an honest, unbiased opinion. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring up this episode, just because I want to see what are ways we could do to go about this. I do have a question for you, since... You have had a chance to actually talk to a counselor. I want you to uh, just talk to the people out there about your experience with it to erase the stigma of talking to a counselor, of having someone to talk to. What what things did you experience that makes you want to promote this? I believe at first it was difficult when I walked in because I believe it was third grade, I would like to say. From third to fifth, I had to see one. Um, because I was like that student that if you told me no, I was like just punch a kid in the face at like in third grade. Probably kids you've dealt with in school before. I was like that kid. So I had to start with that and then going through that. Because I remember the first few episodes, episodes, I'm sorry, the first few times I would talk there with my mom in the room. And then my therapist saw that I wasn't really like talking that much. I was just like going through the motions. Then she made me start doing it just me and her. And that's when I was able to start opening up more about like, some of the emotional abuse I felt that was going on in the house, trying to understand, like, why is my parents fighting, going through the stuff, and, like, realizing how is that affecting me, just, like, seeing them argue. Then it's like, oh, I don't want to talk to them because they're, like, fighting, and it just feels weird. Just not realizing the stress that it has on third grade. I'd like to say I was probably, like, eight, nine, I believe. So how that deals with the kid, and then not realizing that you take that, from what's going on in your personal, your home life, you take that outside the school, and that's why I'm lashing out, that's why I'm just trying to be hyper, just, I'm too, since I see it at home, I'm thinking like, oh, this is okay, so like, if I don't get in my way, then I can let's fight, because that's what I saw like in the home, and I know for me, like my whole family wasn't, it's rarely that my whole family's ever together, so growing up, it was really just me, mom, dad, 
And then my little once my little brother was born, he got added to the picture. But my older brother stayed with my grandmother. So I already had like a different family setup, not like your traditional everybody lives in one house. It was already like separated from the rib. So just not understanding like how much of an issue that is. Like, oh, I don't live with my older brother. Why don't I live with my older brother? Stuff like that. So I just want people to know that it helps you. Like, it helped me, honestly, in elementary school. Like, I never got into a fight after third grade. Like, I never did. I haven't been in a fight since third grade. Because just learning how to deal with my, like, anger in a better way. And even though sometimes therapy could be a little expensive, go through your insurance. Because if you have it, you should take the opportunity to do it. And it helps you just learn how to deal with and learn it. It helps you develop different outlets for your emotions. And I'm still battling that to this day because if anybody that knows me knows, I'm a very emotional person. So that's why I'm still trying to figure out ways to develop and learn how to deal with my said emotions. Yeah, I was trying to. um, My mind's racing through a, a, a lot of things as you were speaking in that we struggle with the trust issue, but also trying to find a therapist that works for us. We we think that it might be expensive, but I know a lot of jobs right now are advocating that people do mental health because it's a very selfish reason probably. Like I don't want you to shoot the shit up <laughs> personally. Like, yo, you stressed out, you can't you can't you can't be at the best of your performance. Uh, cause I know when I even started teaching, what they said was in order to be a good teacher, you got to have a good home too. Because whatever you have in your home, you end up bringing that with you as well. And so you got to take care of your mental health because even though you don't think it's affecting the children, it's affecting them. And if you are looking for a therapist, a thing you can look for online is called Psycho- Psychology Today, where they have a lot of black professional Therapist, I think that was my main hang up. I still haven't gone, and we'll talk about why I haven't gone. Laziness, uh, why, <laughs> why, why we haven't gone. Um, but my biggest hang up was like all the therapists that I was coming up were were uh, were Indian, and I just wanted someone that was the same ethnicity as I. Um, I felt most comfortable like that. It didn't matter if it was a black man or a black woman. I just wanted you to understand part of the ethnic um, stress and trauma that comes with just being a black person in America so you can relate. Even though I've never been to a therapist, it was like, yo, at least you understand me, feel me. So if you do need somebody, you could go to Psychology Today uh, to find you a black therapist in your area. If you're looking for a black therapist, they might have more than black therapists. I, that's the only reason I know about it. Uh, my my sister in law is a psychologist, has a PhD in psychology, um, and I can't go to her. You know that's <laughs> <laughs> confidentiality uh, issues and whatnot. Uh, but if you're looking for one, uh, I think they are national nationwide. Uh, check it out. This would be our unofficial sponsor sponsor for this episode. That if you need help, get help. And even as even as we're talking, I know I need help. And hopefully we can, uh, you know, do better. We we talk, we listen, we share, we care, all that good stuff, man. Better together. Yeah, and you know, um, with the story, you know, Cash shared. Um, I, I think I think everyone has like internal demons or internal things that they're afraid to confront. And I think the the biggest thing is realizing that hey. I have an issue with this. I think that's the biggest thing. Being able to sit there and say, hey, I'm struggling with this issue. Let me get some help. I think the longer you kind of, you hold on to that, whatever it is holding you back, it just makes you, it just makes you angrier as you continue throughout life. And, um, you know, I, I can, you know, I, I can share a story. Um, my, my old man, um, it's eight of them. You know, my, my father happened to lose all his brothers, all his brothers within a within a year, within a year, um, and just going home for each service, each funeral, and seeing my dad just stand up there like like an OG, didn't shed a tear, held it together. And I remember one day um, after my latest uncle had passed, um, we were sitting at home talking, and you know, I I said, Dad, I was like, Have you ever considered like seeing outside help? 
And he kind of looked at me with this this weird look. And he was like, I have. And he was like, you know, I've actually been seeing one. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, How, how's that going? You know, and, and mindful, this conversation is like 3.30 in the morning, like 3.30 in the morning. And he was like, dry. He was like, being able to go to this person and let them know how I feel and talk to him about the anger, the hurt that I feel of losing all my siblings, well, my brothers. He was like, it, it helped me cope better. Um, and I think just, just hearing, hearing my old man say that, and he's he's cut from that 70s, 60 cloth where it was always, no, you're going to figure it out by yourself, sweetheart. You don't seek no help. Whatever problems you got, stay at home. But to see my dad kind of evolve with time, it made me happy. It made me happy that, you know, he was going through some stuff that, hey, you know, I you can talk to anybody and give them the best advice in America. But if they don't use that advice, if they don't, if they don't try to use it, then, you know, it's like I just give you all this advice, you're not using it. But I think him going to see professional help really helped him out just with coping and just being able to, like, have that day-to-day balance that he needs. And, um, you know, so I, I think... I think we all have things that we we fight with daily. I think we all do. I think it's just a matter of us just confronting that issue at hand and then seeking the proper help. It's baby steps. It's a long road to address those issues. Sometimes you may not want to open up them old doors that's been closed for years. So, you know, when you see a therapist, they're going to tap into some things that that might make you feel uncomfortable, but it's only for you to realize, look how far you've come from, from then to now. You just being in this room with me, that's a huge win in itself, you know, because before it's like, oh, I'm not going to no therapist. I'm going to put this Jeezy on and I'm going to go about my day, you know, but, you know, but as you get older, you see the bigger picture. Just teaching, it's like these kids that we teach. You see parents that may struggle. You see kids make struggle, and it's like they come in, and you can see the anger when when they when they lose it. Chairs go flying, desks they're yelling, screaming, crying, and the minute you hug them, it's like whatever they were going through at that moment, it goes away. Like it it goes away because it's like wow, I have somebody who really cares about me, and they're here every day to help me. You know, so I think. I think for everybody, like if, if you have some internal baggage or something that's really making you angry or some type of grudge, like get the help that you need to better yourself for, for yourself and also for your family just moving forward. Yeah, and just speaking about mental health and thinking about why I would need therapy and hopefully, you know, with this conversation, I'll make more of a conscious effort. Um, the first time I battled depression um, was in college. It was after I broke up with my girlfriend at the time who was, like, the center of my world. Like, everything revolved around her. Uh, she was, like, my dream girl personified. And and we broke up, and it was devastating to me uh, to the point where I refused to leave my room. And the only way I would hang out with my friends is if copious amounts of alcohol were involved. And... I was basically like that for a year. Like, even when I would go home, um, my mom was like, what, what is going on with you? You just stay in the room, listen to India Ari's uh, <laughs> I'm Ready for Love and shit. <laughs> they're like, yo, they're like, what, what's going on, sir? Can we talk? I'm like, nah, I'm good. I don't want to talk. I don't want to do any of, any of those things. I just want to be in this damn room by myself. Let me Let me be. And it's, like, funny, like, the things that you put on the back burner about that same time I was uh, in the process trying to pledge a fraternity, and I was like, you know what? I'm good on that, you know? I don't know how my life would have shifted if I had yeah. joined, but the fact that it was an opportunity presented, and because of being depressed, I was like, no, I'm going to let that go. And just speaking about depression... A lot of people think depression is something where you want to commit suicide or something like that. Depression manifests itself in different people different ways, but a lot of times for me, it becomes a paralysis of where you just can't function. You cannot move. You cannot do things. You can see things need to be done, but you cannot do anything in your power to make it stop or to make it go away it's like being in a burning house and seeing that it's burning and you just continue to sit there and watch it burn you're not taking the action to save yourself you don't have the motivation to do things and currently i could say i am depressed again because uh we've talked on other episodes me going through a divorce 
is heartbreaking. They go through phases where I don't feel like leaving my room. I don't feel like moving. I don't want to hang out with you. I don't want to answer the phone. I don't want to text. A lot of times I joke, I need to communicate better. But a lot of times I just don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to anybody, any soul, anything, anytime. Let me mire in my, my misery and let me the fuck alone. <laughs> and basically, basically what I'm telling people, and something plays in my brain. Uh, I was watching the History Channel. It was talking about the seven deadly sins. And they said the deadly sin of sloth um, is sometimes misinterpreted of being lazy. That sloth actually used to be two different sins. One's like laziness. The other one was melancholy. That when one becomes so wrapped up in their sadness, they're incapable of functioning. Therefore, they're incapable of work. Therefore, they're capable of dying because back then, if you don't work, you don't eat. And that's what we say. You had to be mindful of not to be slothful because it was a matter of life or death. And I think about that sometimes when I'm just sitting there looking at the ceiling of like, dog, you have to move. If you do not move, you could die. And that plays in my brain all the time. But I move for you guys, man. <laughs> no, I mean, I've, trust me, I've been in similar boats. That's one of the reasons why I moved to D.C. from New York. Because when issues got so bad with me and my mom, I believe 2017, that Mother's Day, I spent my mother, that Mother's Day getting my mom out the mental part of the hospital. Because like, I had to put her in. Because every year around Mother's Day, my grandmother passed in 2009. So after that, every year around Mother's Day, that's when like my mom would have like an episode or whatever, just get into like very sad depression or whatever. And most years, I try to be with her to like coddle it, but then other years, just like this is too much for me to bear. And at times, I felt like I was the only one trying to bear with my mom because I felt other family members would just say, "Enough is enough." Like I've tried, so like they not cut her off, but they were just like, "I can't do it." So, but that that's my mom. No matter how much of the bullshit we go through, that's still my mom at the end of the day. And I'm going to do anything. So I would try to be there and it just be a lot. Because I remember I was out at a party or whatever with my ex-girlfriend at the time. And then I got like a text like, yo, your mom is threatening to kill herself, threatening to overdose on prescription. And I live in Brooklyn and the party I was at was like in Queens. So it, it took me like about a good hour to drive. Hmm. About 45 minutes to drive home to get to her. And then when I get to her, I just see her, like, in a very horrible light. So then I just say, you know what? Because she would be the type of person that always threatened to, like, kill herself before. And I was like, all right, you want to keep threatening? Then I'm going to treat you like you're going to actually like you're going to do it. So I called them, and they admitted her or whatever. And then I went and got her, like, 6 in the morning because they released her or whatever, saying she was fine. But then I just remember my mom, like, cursing me the fuck out, saying, like, how could I do that to you on Mother's Day? It was Mother's Day. I would never do that to my mother. And I was just like, Mom, you don't understand how you sound. And that's one of the things I've been battling, battling with with trying to talk to her is just, like, trying to get her to understand this is how you sound. Like, you, this sounds insane. Like, what would you do if your mother said, yeah, I'm going to overdose and kill myself? Wouldn't you call somebody? So just after that situation, it was, like, every day just, like, us just yelling at each other. So then I literally moved out. Like, I moved out my mom, mom's house and lived with my best friend on his couch for the whole summer before I came to D.C. I was on that couch for two months, I would like to say, in a hot-ass summer, just because I couldn't deal with my mom. But then I remember the day I was actually leaving, like, packing up my stuff, I had my boy T come get me. Because I used to tell everybody, my mom is crazy, but nobody believes me. Like, yo, my mom is batshit crazy. So then I was like, I'm trying to pack up my stuff, and my mom's in my room, sitting on my bed, in this weird way, cursing me out, but not letting me pack my stuff to leave. Like, you tell me you want me to leave, I'm leaving, and now you're sitting on my bed, preventing me from packing. So that was at the time when my boy T was, like, on his push God heavy, like, to the point where, like, you didn't want to believe in it because he pushed it in your face, like, one of those people. I love him, but still, that's the time we were in. So then I called him, I was like, yo, I want you to talk to my mom about God while I pack. I just need you to distract her while I legit pack my shit. And, like, when I had him come over and he came upstairs, he, like, that was the first time he saw, like, yo, that shit is crazy. And it was like, yeah, this is what I tell you when I had to deal with shit like this coming home. This is what I meant. And a lot, for a lot of years, I just, like, manifested it, like, kept it in because I was like, nobody's going to believe me. Nobody's going to, like, trying to talk to somebody. It's not going to be, it's not going to help. At least in terms of, like, I felt that way with friends. Like, talking to them ain't really going to help because nobody's going to understand it. 
that's why I feel like with talking to a therapist, they can understand it. You know what I mean? And then you'd also, when you're talking to your friends, there's certain things you don't want to talk about because you don't want to feel judged. Like, you just, like, if I tell somebody a situation about that with my mom, nobody's going to want to come over to my house to hang out or stuff like that, you know? So you don't want to talk about certain things. So when I was going through that, I was like, damn, I couldn't afford therapy then. So what I would do, I would just write things down. Like, those are, like, minor things I would try to do to, like, help me with it. That's why I say I think I'm the greatest pro when I'm depressed. Like, if I'm depressed, I think I can hit you with the most greatest poem. No, get me wrong. It's going to be some emo shit. But I believe I can hit you with the greatest poem because I'm sad and I, I could just release what I said. Because I believe some of the most greatest arts come from the greatest of pains. So that's why it's like, just, I would always say, if you can't afford a therapist, just write it out. Just write it somewhere. On a wall, computer, email to yourself. Something just to, you need to get it out somehow. And then once you get it out, then it's like, all right. Because you're not going to want to continue CK Brian because my hand's going to get tired eventually because of all this pain. So you just need another voice to talk to just to either, whether it's to tell you it's okay, you're going to get through it, whether to tell you in a polite way, you need to get over it, or just something like just a voice to help you give an honest look at your situation and go through it. So, well, I say that's the main reason why I go to the studio every Saturday working on music. Some of you may hear these songs, some of you may not, uh, but I didn't necessarily write it for you. I wrote it for me because. That is my therapy right now. Uh, all my love songs are sad. I don't know how to make a damn happy love song. You hear a happy love song from me, it was forced. I'm trying. <laughs> but them sad love songs, like, I done performed some of them. They People crying. Like That's my situation. I'm like, sometimes you don't realize who's going through what you're going through until you release it. And I know for me, I have no shame. I, like... What people think or judgment judge what i don't I don't understand it that's why I think my shield is my blatant honesty. My homie once called me out and he was like, "You think just because you tell everybody everything about you that they really know you. You use that as your smoke screen that you tell these outlandish stories, you have this outlandish personality you tell every little minute detail but you never really tell how you're feeling until you're rapping or singing a song and people are like damn I didn't know you felt that way the whole time and I'm like damn but you know everything about me B remember when I ran from the girl in the in the spot you remember what I did all the and it was like nah but we didn't know you you don't really let people in to the inner sanctum you let people on the porch, you know, you, you, and you live in a glass house. You can look at that bad boy like, ooh, he cooking eggs right now. Oh, where's that room back there? Oh, now that's covered up. You can't see nothing was going on there. Uh, how he's living his life. And talking about episodes, every July 7th, I have to gird myself because I possibly would break down. Because that is my wedding anniversary. Last July 7th, my cousin tried to do his due diligence. He tried to keep my mind off of things, and he passed out. And I went out to DuPont Circle. I think I was in Rose Bar, and I just was like, I can't do this shit. And I'm walking around DuPont Circle bawling. I'm probably looking like a crazy person because I'm just walking down the street crying by my damn self, Looking on my phone, who will listen to me? Where are my friends? Where are, like, cousins sleep, people out of town, no one's picking up their phone. My mom eventually picked up, and I'm like, I'm talking to her, just crying. She's just like, son, 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 I know, I know, just let it out. Like, man, when's the last time you talked to God? And I'm like, I'm not trying to hear that God shit right now. And I don't curse in front of my mom. I try not to, even though she listens to stuff like this and be like, mm, son, I know you curse. You know, what What would Jesus do? And I'm like, um, I don't know. <laughs> but I was like, I don't know what to do. I try to self-medicate in whatever destructive things that I'm doing, but clearly it's not filling the void that I have right now, and I just need someone to listen and then give me some strategies to get out of whatever the fuck I'm in. And so some days I got good days, some days I got bad days. I got more good days than bad, 
You know what I'm saying? I'm still, you know, but 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 we trying. You know what I'm saying? And that's what like when I tell some people, I told one one of my people's like, oh yeah, I'm very emotional. It's like since when? I'm like I've never seen you show emotion before, and I'm like, shit, I. Have you not listened to my raps? <laughs> it's <laughs> there for you. It's yeah, right here. It's right there. <laughs> All that. Like some of it's exaggerated, but some of that's really much the, the sediment is still there. You know, you don't know when. It's really holidays that get me. Like holidays are fucking me over. So, uh, Mr. Brown, I got a question for you, man. Uh you you mentioned um you said that you 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 tell your stories through music, through talking, being able to say, hey, I know you because of A, B, C, and D. Um, being in the space you're in right now, have you let people in, you feel? Like, have, have you let people in, like, to, to, to your world, to really know you outside of that, but just knowing you, like, somebody can sit down and say, hey, I know, I know this about you. Like, have, have you opened up yet? Yeah, I got, like, the, the my, my, my producer, Spin, shout out to Spindrift. Uh, with the hot the hot music, um, he's someone that if I'm going through do some things, um, I let him in. Um, of course, my cousin, my brother, you know, uh, pick up my mom. But I can't say that. Not necessarily that I don't trust people with my emotions or trust people. Like I'll talk to anybody at any time. I. And one who doesn't want to feel like a burden on somebody. It's not a matter of like, I feel you're going to judge me. I just feel like I don't want to be the Debbie Downer. I don't, why, why would I rob you of your joy? And I know when some people heap their struggles, like I know I have sometimes have a, a, a Messiah complex where everything, just put it on my shoulders. I'm strong enough to do it. I could take it. I could take it. But then it's like, why would I put the sky on your shoulders? You you don't need that burden. I'll sacrifice and suffer on my lonesome. And that's just what I decide to do. That's one of the things I'm battling with my relationship now. Because, like, I love my girl. And I, I love talking to her and opening up. But then there's certain times where I'm just like, I don't want to ruin your joy, like you were saying, by putting my burdens. Because even though I don't. I believe that when you talk to somebody, you're not putting your burdens on them, but we're human. So we feel like they are because they probably come in happy and then look at us being all sad and shit about something. And then it's like we're killing a mood. But it's like if you're talking to that person, they made the they also understand that they made the choice to listen to what you're saying because it can potentially ruin or not ruin, but hamper their day with your emotions or whatever. That's also a choice on them. So that's why I believe when I'm starting to get better, that's just she says she wants to be that person to like burden it actually listening to her and be like all right let's if you want it here the here, here the fuck it is and i don't know what to do with it so for that i would say there's not going to be many people to where you're going to be able to like yo just talk and be like yo here's my burdens no feel free but i would say you know the people in your life that are like no matter what these niggas is ride or die, or these women are ride or die. Like, whoever they are, you know who they are. So then you could just, just one day just hit them up, because honestly, there's going to be no, there's no, like, book on how to do it. There's no script. It's just, you going through some shit? Just text them and be like, yo, I'm going through shit, or call. And just, if they pick up, just let it fly. Just let it fly. And if they're your ride or dies, they're going to get with it. They, gonna, they might catch them off guard when they first pick up, like, oh, we doing this? All right, cool. Then just, they're going to let it, be there to listen. I'll let it know right now. If I call your phone, it must be a big deal. Because <laughs> I don't call. Definitely don't call. He don't answer. He's not a phone person. So if he calls your phone, America, you know, you know, answer. Okay, answer it. <laughs> like, pick that joint up right now, right now. I need you. I need you. Help me now. <laughs> but you know what, though? Um, you, you guys both made a point that, that I even struggle with. You don't want to be a burden to other people's lives. Like, I, I'm the same way. Like, in past relationships, like, I've dated, and it's like, I can be going through something, and I don't say it. They can ask me a billion times. I'm fine, I'm fine, but they know me. But the thing is, I don't want to put my personal problems on on her 
or my friends because like listen like I'm going through this let me go through this let me figure it out but this is why you have friends this, this, that's the meaning of a friend a friend is a friend is someone's going to have your back come hella high waters even when you messing up when you're doing good they still going to be your friend they still going to be honest they still don't keep it a buck with you. So when, when you find people like that in your life, whether it's a male or female, you hold on to that individual. Like you hold on to that. You make that friendship last as long as it can because it's difficult to find really good friends nowadays. It really is. For, for me to call you my friend, for me, for me to say that, I trust you. Like I trust you. I know that if I needed to talk to you, if I needed something, I can come to you and say, hey, this person is not going to judge me. You know, they're, they're not going to look at me any kind of way crazy, cool, dry. Let's sit down and talk. We figure something out. Those are people you want around in your life, you know, and especially if, if you're going through like depression or anxiety or whatever it is, those people who you consider friends, like those should be the people that you should call and they will be able to give you the help that you may need, you know. So, and, and just looking at my life, like, I have friends. I know there's friends I can call right now and say, hey, I'm going through this right now. Cool. Like, let, let's let's talk, you know. And so that that bond there, that friendship, that's something that I really hold on to because it means something. Like, it means something. And we all have bright days and rainy days. But when those rainy days come and that storm come and that rain gets a little heavier and it gets a little colder, that's the time when you tap into those friends that that's been there since day one, your A1s, as we like to say. So it's, it's important to surround yourself around good, positive people in the midst of everything, you know. So I, I definitely, while we're talking, I want to give a shout out to the boy DG because I do uh, uh, talk to him about some of the things going on in my life. And I think that's, we talk about friends, that was one of the things that made a divorce so painful is because a lot of people I married for friendship, but like if I'm not, if I didn't feel she was my friend, first and foremost, that's one of the things that was my main attraction. Like I could talk to you about anything and everything. I feel it's like funny. I used to call it a, a naked com- covenant that I can bear my soul to you, and I know there will be no judgment because we have not ate of the fruit that reveals the knowledge of good and evil. It's just who we are. We are bare in front of each other. And how can I talk to you about you, of how you are hurting me right now? And so now my outlet is gone. I just have my own pain. And it reminds me, I don't know if y'all listen to Noah's Barkley like that, but on the second album where they had Who's Gonna Save My Soul Now? Who's Going to Save My Soul? And that, I'm like... God damn it, Noah's Barkley. This whole <laughs> this whole album number like sad ass songs, you know. Now, nah, but I mean to piggyback on that, I think growing up, I used to always depend on my grandmother. Like that was like the one constant. I would that was my ride or die. If I knew I needed something, I could call her. And then when she passed, that's when the, that was the first time I ever experienced death or anything. So after that moment, I was like, wow. Yes, I could trust people, but. Sadly, people die. Like, people are going to go. Like, it just happens. So that's when I was like, all right, I can't put my, you could put your end on be all in certain people because, like, obviously, if you want to marry somebody, you got to give them your soul. But from that moment on, I've tried to make, I try to make a conscious effort to where I'm not going to put, like, my end on, like, I'm going to put my end on be all, like, in my wife because you're my wife. But there's always going to be, like, that part of me in the back of my head is like there will be a day where one of us will not be here like don't get me wrong will we both like to go together yeah you know some romantic whatever but that's not always that's never the, always the case so therefore there's going to be a time where it's just you so that's why i try to learn to put my things at least when i'm and i'm still trying to do this put my things in other areas so like with my writing i i know like my writing ain't gonna like walk up and leave me you know so therefore I could talk with that. I'm still going to talk with like my girl and like other my friends, but try not to let that be like my end all be all because there will be a time where you're not there. Even as like a friend, like your phone might be dead and I can't get a hold of you. Like there's going to be that time and it's not your fault or not your choice. Like you didn't want your phone to die on me, but it's just shit happens. Or I'm going to try to call my girl and she's just not, she's sleeping or some shit. It's like, I got to find something else. And I know for me growing up, awkward enough, that was wrestling. Like, I didn't watch it at first because, like, I liked the shit. It was like, oh, this is cool. But then seeing my parents argue, seeing, like, them fight, 
those two hours that I could watch wrestling, I was away from the world. I didn't have no stress. I could watch something with just like, you take me away to this fantasy land to where I know the shit is fake. I really don't care. To this day, I watch it because these three hours or two that I get to watch it, I don't have to worry about anything that's going on in my life. I get to be a kid and remember like the fun times that I had as a just a pure kid and just watch it. So that's why that is something I will probably watch until either A, it stops, which I don't think it'll ever stop, or I die. That's the only way it's going to stop me from watching it. I let that, and at first growing up, I used to hide it because, you know, people used to make fun like, oh, it's fake, yada, yada, yada. And I'm always like, so what, what, what's the problem with it being fake? I don't, I don't see an issue, but I just never understood that. So that, like, that's why for me, I put a vice into wrestling. And I don't say, you don't have to put a vice into like a wrestling if it's not your thing, but a TV show, something that you can no matter what, just watch. Yeah, it's, it's, co- it's coping mechanisms. My, my, I'm a cinephile. I go to movies to escape. That's what, oh, oh, hey, in, in agreement, like right here, I'm in a different world that I know the rules and beats of a movie. You you have your inciting incident, you have your protagonist, and somehow they change, and by the end, most movies, and some movies not so much, because they're getting dark and dreary, but they normally end on a high note where hope is achieved, hope is accomplished, and that it may seem dark now, but... Uh, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings and eagles. You know, and, and you should see the brighter day, like, on, like joy, joy coming Come in the on, morning. Man. Yeah, joy coming in the morning. Just because I act like a heathen don't mean I ain't really like. <laughs> I grew up in that church, baby. That's why I, I'm always like, yo, don't give me your thoughts and prayers, man. Like God commanded you to do more than what you're doing, so do that. God commanded you to to. Help those, like, bless, uh, look at those beatitudes, you know what I'm saying? Like, bring that peace, man. Inherit the earth and whatnot. Yeah, um, and I feel you, you and Kasim definitely made really, really strong points uh, j- just sharing your sharing your, your thoughts and stuff. Um, but, yeah, I think you, even even when you're dealing with something or you, you're having that, that bad day, you have to have, like, a plan A, B, C to fall back on. Kasim, you like wrestling. Dev is a movie person. I'm a movie person. So you, you find these different outlets to release that negative energy just for the time being. You know, it's, it's your comfort zone. It's your happy place. Like, for me, it's running. I go on the track. Whatever I'm going through goes away because I'm, I'm in my own natural world. Nothing can bother me. I control everything on this track. You know, so I, I think it's important if, if you are struggling with certain, certain, certain mental health issues, you have to find an outlet, something just to, like, ease the pain but then hopefully a friend answers or you can see somebody, you know. So I think just having different outlets and, and different things you can fall back on is really, really good um, just to address that that hiccup in the moment, I should say. I think we just get help. And I, I always say that jokes are a coping mechanism. Facts. You think I'm being funny because I want to see you laugh? <laughs> Hell no. I'm being funny because I'm sad. Nigga. I need to make myself feel better. <laughs> I'm hurting it inside. <laughs> Help me, please. <laughs> like, that is for the... I, I would like to say from college to probably now, half the time I was being funny, I wouldn't really give a fuck about y'all. It was, I'm depressed as shit. I need to feel better about something, so I just need to do something stupid or just laugh. To like feel better in this fucking moment because when I go back home, I I feel like killing myself because that's the shit that I'm dealing with. And I would say going back to like talking about like issues and stuff, one thing that I think helps is trying to find one thing to give you a reason to keep fighting. And like I know for me, that's my little brother because I know for me, I'm always in my head. He's 10 times worse than me because he's always had to move. Like I said, we never all live together. That is like the one thing I wish me and my little brother could have had was like we actually lived in the same household just because I believe my older brother helped him with like school and stuff but I believe I could have helped him with like social skills because I'm a good people person because that's one of his like biggest fears is like you know meeting people sounding stupid because I know he's in his head and he's worse than me when I'm in my head so I know how that could go so that's like he's one of the reasons why like I keep like any suicidal thought I've ever had in my head I've just blocked it up because I know that's the one person that'll like just shut the fuck down and I never want my little brother to shut the fuck down. So it's always like find one person. And there is a person. You really, there is in everybody's life. There's one person to like, yo, they, that nigga needs you. Or oh, that woman needs you. Like, they need you. 
So, and that's how I feel with my little brother where it's like me and him, we relate on a different level because we're both, we both have anxiety. We both get nervous very quickly. We just do it for different reasons. Like for me, my anxiety is like in relationships because it's like, like I told you before, this is the first time I had a shit last longer than a year with like no issues, like with none, like besides little, like little arguments here and there, but nothing like serious. So I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I've always fucked up a relationship, so I'm like, something bad gonna happen. I, I'm gonna do something stupid. So, therefore, in me thinking that, I'm trying to prevent me from doing something stupid. Like, I don't want to involve no women's scandals. I ain't going on as much. I'm just avoiding the shit at all. I got video games. I'm playing video games. I'm doing everything I can to avoid things because I really don't want no issues. So, like, I get anxiety like that. My little brother, he's more the fact that He's always had to move in high school. Like he went to three different high schools in Texas. He doesn't like the college he's at now. So just like he's always felt like he's been trying to live up to like me. Like I play D1 sports. My older brother played D1 sports. And my cousin played D1 sports. So he's like trying to live up to that. Like I emailed him my college transcript. Like my whole GPA for like to show you that I wasn't like my older brother who had like damn near 4.0. I wasn't like my cousin who she damn near had like 3.5 eight or something i was like no it, it's okay if you're not that guy as long as you're trying it's okay to not be that guy like i sent them my transcript where i think one year i had like a 1.8 because of baseball season and it was like it it affects us all differently so it's okay there's somebody else like you and i try to relate that from my little brother anytime i can anytime i get the chance to so like anytime he texts me i know it's like all right he need to talk about something because i told him once you go to college we might not talk as much just because you need to figure out yourself. Because I know when I was in school, I didn't really talk to my family like that because I was just like living life and trying to find who the hell I am. So I said, it's okay for you to do that. Just whenever you just know that you can talk to me about anything because anything you've experienced, I'm pretty sure I went through too, if not worse. So I just say, find one person, just one. All you need is one and hold on for that person. And I, I want to reiterate that we should do our due diligence in finding someone to talk to, some kind of therapist, some kind of counselor, because we, we've had a lot of conversations about relationships, and the chief hindrance of relationships are people not dealing with the issues that they've been harboring for a very long time. Maybe mother issues, maybe uh, father issues, maybe whatever issues that you, you have. Like, I even had to come to grips that I feel left out from my father. Um, I, by the age of one, my mom and dad divorced. And the relationship that my brother has, who's six years older than I, is much different. And the relationship my father has with my my little sister, who's seven years younger than me, you know, my half-sister, my sister, you know, but uh, who grew up with him. It's like, I'm a daddy's girl. And like, yo, that's my daddy. And I'm like, yo, I don't know who the hell the man is. Like, he's my father. We could kick it. But I knew I was harboring things because I felt, like, left out of the picture. And I asked him one time, like, yo, why weren't you more of an active participant in my life? And he was like, your mother was doing such a great job. I felt like I was going to mess it up. And I was like, damn, but it felt like you were a ghost. And that affected me or how, why quality time is my love language. Because I remember, the things I remember about my father is him not coming to my football games when I was young. And and I was good at football. Like, even when I was little league, I played corner and running back. I was a star running back. I, shit, I was a beast at it. And I thought that would be something that would make him proud that he'll come root his son about. But he wasn't there therefore now that i rap and do all the other things i seldom invite people to my things because i'm afraid they're going to disappoint me i seldom put myself out of what i may be good at then you may enjoy it but because i'm afraid that you're going to disappoint me so if i not get your disappointment i don't tell you shit i don't let you in enough where you can hurt my feelings if you don't know, you can't hurt me, you know? True. Very, very true. And, and, and then that then becomes a part of the relationship. It's hard for me to let you fully in because once I let you fully in and I start depending on you and you let me down, it devastates the fuck out of me. 
So if I never let you in that I become dependent on you, then you can never devastate me. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man. Uh, Devin, do you think at any point could could you and your father sit down and, like, kind of clear the air, you feel like? At this point in my life, ain't no air to be clear. Like, I just, I don't want, my cousin lost his father when he was 13 years old. And he tells me all the time, he's like, damn, I wish I I had a father to be mad at. And so I'm like, shit, get over yourself. Good times, good times. I talk to my father when, when I'm home. I go visit my dad, just kick it. We'll catch a beer. We'll drink. We laugh, whatever. My father called me the other day, which is very weird. Because, like, you don't, it doesn't, man don't even call me on my birthday. Barely. And he calls me out the blue, like, yo, what you think about Justin Fairfax? I'm like, really? This is what, this is what we going to talk about? All this time. <laughs> this is what you want to talk about? But, but shoot, I, I'm not going to fault the man because when I go into his office, there's pictures of me through, from throughout different parts of my life on his wall. It's very digitized. I'm like, you went to the, the library, got on the internet. You're not even on Facebook. Where the hell did you get these pictures from? Google. <laughs> he Googled them. I'm like, you got pictures from graduation. You got pictures from the wedding that I didn't like release. I'm like, so clearly you're paying attention and you're thinking of me, but... It just is manifested in yeah. a different way. Because he tells me, like, man, you one of my few. You one of the few. You're my only child who's never asked me for money at any given time. And the way you kind of operated in life, like, I was, like, you make me extremely proud. I'm like, well, nigga, say that more often then. <laughs> <laughs> Got me out here. Walking hey, chicken with no head out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I understand. Like, like I invited this man over here plenty. So I was like, I'll buy your, I know you don't like planes. <laughs> I'll buy you your train ticket, man. Come, come kick it with your boy. Come kick it with your boy for a week during the summer. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you're not working. Like, that you retired. <laughs> You like yo, kick it with your son. Kick See it. me, dad. <laughs> kick it. We we be cool. And now I have issues on top of issues. I got daddy issues and wife issues. God damn it. <laughs> I, I do need a therapy. Because <laughs> to go back to your dad thing, I feel like for every, especially in black men, you need a a father figure. So I know for me, my my birth dad like left my mom because. My mom was like the affair to him or whatever that means if I'm wording that oh, correctly. She was, she was the mistress? Yeah. So Side then, chick. Yeah, so then when he found out like she was pregnant with me, he was like, oh shit, gone. So as I got older and like I started to open up more to my mom and my mom talked to me about that situation, it helped me. I understand a lot of the things that my mom has done in my life because of what she's been through. And the battle that I go through with now is like learning to let go. Because, like, I know why, my, like, I honestly know why my mom has done half the things she's done for what she's been through. Like, my birth dad, like, my older brother's dad was in jail for, like, 25 years. My dad left. And then my little brother's dad is just that whole situation. It's like, she's had a horrible experience with certain men. So, therefore, I understand why she's been a certain way. And right now, for me, is learning to, like, let it, like, let go and just, forget, like, let it go and be with your mom in certain moments. Because one of my biggest fears is that, I will. I won't understand that until she's gone, yeah. and that's one of like my biggest fears that I literally think about every day. So if y'all hear me listening to some sad music in my room, I'm probably thinking about that in the moment, and I'm just closing my door because I want to deal with it. But going back to like your thing with the dad, it's like my older brother tried to pick up that void, and it's like sometimes it worked, and then other times I was like, "Damn, bro, just tell me you're proud of me, and we good. Like I'm trying here." And I felt like I never got that. Like, I didn't get that to, like, I felt like his wedding, like, 2013 or whatever. And I was like, damn, this is all I wanted for a year. So I, I know how that feels. It's like, just tell me you're proud. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't need it every day. But once in a while, I'll just be like, yo, out the blue, I'm proud of the shit you've been through. I'm proud of the man that I'm seeing you to be. Like, little words like that mean a long way for us as individuals. And the same thing would go for, like, a mother telling their daughter that, like, I'm proud of the woman that you're becoming. Like, sometimes you just need little motivations like that just to get you through the day. Like, you don't know how much it means when somebody just could randomly text you, like, yo, I'm proud of you, boy. Shit you going through, shit you doing, I'm proud of you, man. Little things like that go a long way. 
So I try to tell my family all the time. Like, yo, I'm not going to respond to your text, but I appreciate it. <laughs> Just in that joint out. Like, yo, I was thinking about you, and yo, I hope everything is cool. I'm like, I'll be like, I'm mad thankful. My cousin was like, now he, he took a fist my other cousin. Like, he took a fist like, yo, I text you, you don't text me back, da 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 And I'm like, yo, do we got beef? We got like, I'm like, nah, ain't no beef, man. Ain't no What's beef? beef? I'm like, he's like, dog, just send me back a, 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 okay. a reply. Like, got like, it. Like, you you can have your special symbol. You can do like the slaves just doing, just put an X on, it, <laughs> on the back end of that. Just know that you, that you got it and that you acknowledge the presence because I do care about you because this cousin is actually the closest in age, age with me. And he's like, yo, you, come on, B, like. Just nah. hit me back. I'll be checking on you, and you don't say shit back. And I'm like, I hear you. If you listen to this podcast, <laughs> if, if you listen to this podcast, I'm sorry. <laughs> and and I, I'm trying. I'm trying to do do better. But there are things in my life that I have not come to grips. I have not come to terms with that allows me to fully communicate with people on a regular basis. That I still. And I don't know if it's some Pisces-ass bullshit, too. Because they say Pisces always quick to be like drama queens, and they live to be <laughs> in, in their misery and whatnot. Like, I don't want to be that. Like, you know, but I sometimes you just want to be alone. <laughs> I just want to be alone. Nah, I understand that. But I just want to say, I see me and Mr. Brown have been, you know, opening up about some things we're going to do. You've been awful quiet over there, man. This guy is listening to us open up. He is still trapped, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, for, for me, I feel um, my, my, my biggest thing, my dad always, you know, challenged me um, is if you have time to fix something, at least make that attempt. Whatever it is, relationships, friendships. Whatever it is, if if you have time to fix something or address a certain issue, make an effort. Therefore, if something happened, at least you tried to like close the gap on, on whatever it was. And for me, I, I I definitely try to do that. You know, I, I've done that in my life. Um, sometimes you don't get a reply. Sometimes you do. But you know, my my challenge to to all our listeners, if you have time to fix a relationship, to better relationship with your mom, your dad sister, whatever, try, try. You know, I know we might be sucking our ways at times, and I know that we're so quick to say, oh, I'm right. But listen, if you have time to fix something, just try, just fix it. And and I'm pretty sure you reaching out, it, it would feel good inside. It's like, hey, I, you know, I can try, you know. But for me, you know, yeah, we, you know, I, I have my own personal skeletons in my closet. Um, You know, for me, you know, me and my old man wasn't always on the same page growing up, and I resented him for that. I always felt that, you know, we came second to whatever was going on. And so for a while, I put that brick wall up. I remember going to college and I would talk to my mom and she'd be like, hey, talk to your dad. I'm talking to my mom. I'm talking to your mom. <laughs> and she was like, dry. She's like, you, you can't be like that. You, you can't, you can't do that. And you know, it, it, it took me a while to like actually sit, sit or actually call him one day. Um, had a track meet, um, ran really, really well at this meet, but me and my old lady at the time was going through it. And I was like, man, I really need my father. I need some advice. And I called him, and he was like, I've been waiting for you to call me to let me know what's going on in your world. And I'm looking at my spirit phone like, you could have called me, you know? Um, but I, I told him how I felt, like all that pent-up anger that I had over the course of the years, I, I, I told him how I felt. And, you know, to, to hear it to him say, you know what, I'm sorry. Like, I, I didn't know you felt that way, um, you know, and I apologize. You know, since then... Our relationship is way better than what it was, you know. So all it takes is a phone call to 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 put a put something to, to bed, you know. So, but yeah, um, and I I just hope for me moving forward that my relationship with my old fa- with my father will continue to grow. And if I have kids, I don't want that same relationship with my dad with my kids. So I'm trying to fix some things. Um, you know, it's some friendships out there that, you know, I try to fix and, and, and heal up. But sometimes, you know, sometimes you got to leave that door closed on certain things. But I think if you try to fix things or address them, I, I think that's a good way to, to go about life, you know. Uh, I just want to tell a story because I feel like the advice that I want to give for, like, this situation, I don't know how to word it. So I feel like if I tell the story, it'll, like, it'll be a better understanding. I remember my senior year of college... I went to school in Albany. My brother lived in Kentucky. You can't 
drive. You you can drive it, but I wouldn't recommend it. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day I was in my dorm apartment just chilling. My brother texted me like, "Yo, what are you doing?" I'm like, uh, "Playing some Xbox. What's going on?" He's like, "Yo, I'm about to be at you in like an hour. Come outside." I was like, and in my head I'm like, "Kentucky to Albany is like good over like twelve hours." So I was like, "What you mean you'll be? Wait, what? You was over here and didn't tell me?" And then when I pull up outside, I saw him, my uncle, and this other dude. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? And then that was my dad's father, who was, like, in prison, who was, like, getting out. And I was like, oh, snap. This is the year, like, he got out. Because I remember that year, my dad's brother sent me some shoes. They were very ugly, but I still wore them. So I was like, <laughs> he sent them. I was like, nah, I, I, like, I appreciate it. They, they were some brown. They were just, oh, God, ugly. But I was like, he sent them. Sent them out of love. I know he clearly didn't have a lot. I'm going to rock these shit. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to wear them around. I'm going to wear them. So then I remember seeing that, and then I remember that was the first time in my life, the second time actually, that I see my brother, like, I could see the kid in my brother be happy that his dad is around. Because yeah. the first time I see my brother ever be emotional was my grandmother's funeral. That was the first time I was like, oh shit, my brother got emotions. And then this time I was like, wow, like seeing my brother like be like a kid with his dad, I was like, oh, okay. It kind of helped me understand like... Why he was being so hard on me in that moment. And that from that moment on, like seeing that personally let me know, like, all right, I could fall back. Like I understand why, like, he's doing some of the things he's doing. Like I get it. I might not agree, but I can see it. So in me seeing it, it was like, all right, cool. We could work on our relationship because I your intentions are well. Sometimes we don't see other people's intentions because we're closed minded. Like we don't see should realize stuff till we get older. But in seeing that, I was like, All right, cool. I all right, bro, let's, we've been rocky for some time. Let's, let's try to get back and get better. And now I know we've been talking about the mental health. Now, what are, besides therapy, what are some other things you think people should do to help or what are ways they could go about just being better? Well, I say, first of all, is admit that you have a problem. And uh, even if, if listening to this to know that you are not alone, um, too many times people feel as if they're the only one who are dealing with things out there. You you are not alone. You have people out there who care about you. Even if I've never met you, if we've never met you, we are thinking about you and we want the best for you and your situation. Uh, you can go to Psychology Today to find yourself a therapist. You can go to your local church, synagogue, mosque. Um, there's even, uh, I know, atheist groups that meet up with each other to to talk and discuss um, the things that's going on in their lives and never take for granted that there are ears that will hear you. There are ears that will listen even if you feel they are not. As pessimistic as I am, I do believe that, that we as a people generally do care and want good for the greater society as a whole. On a side note, I think this first podcast, I don't sound like a drunk uncle. (laughs) (laughs) I I think with this topic here, I feel like you you see, you know, you can see us like with other topics, like have fun and joke around. But I think this one, I think we all can relate. You know, I think the three of us can relate to this topic and understand that, you know, we've all battled some demons and still battling demons, but... For those who are listening, you know, there is help out there. You know, the the number one is is just being able to say, hey, I, I have an issue with this. And then step two, finding the help. And then step three, slowly rebuilding yourself. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. And it doesn't come overnight. It takes time. But if you set certain goals, uh, put people in your corner is going to push you to reach those goals. I say you I would say you are in a really good position to overcome obstacles. You know, it's not easy by any means. Um, if, if you have a religion you believe in God, whatever you choose to believe in, you know, pray, talk, talk to people that can help you get through things. And um, at the end of the day, um, you, you can overcome any obstacle that is thrown your way with, with, with the proper mindset, a positive attitude, and just knowing that you want to be better than what you were yesterday. I, I think with, with, with those ingredients, what Brown said, what I said, what Kasim has shared here, I think anybody can overcome any obstacle um, that, that they will endure. Um, Throughout life. Well, on this lovely note, I'm just going to tell one last shout out to my boy Phil because he hit me up today because I posted this picture with my little locks in my hair. I'm trying something new. It's not working out, but I'm going to change up. 
Um, and then we just started talking because he was an old t- baseball team in my like growing up. I remember him and his dad used to drive me to a lot of games. And I remember just talking like, "Yo, how's your dad doing?" Blah blah blah. And how are you doing? And he said that he recently went through some mental health issues and he's just getting back on his feet. So that like stirred it up. Like today, this idea in my head. And then as we were talking, he just said like, "Yo." How are you doing? And then after he just said, yo, if you're not okay, it's good to say you're not okay. And that meant a lot to me just because me and him haven't, shit, haven't had a conversation like that since we were, when was the last time me and Phil was on the same team? Probably like 13, 14, some, something in high school like that. And just to say that out the blue is like, wow, that like, that means a lot. So it's just like, and if it's, that made me realize it's, it's perfectly okay to be like, yo, I'm not good. Like when somebody asks you like, are you good? Sometimes we'd be like, nah, yeah, we're good. We're lying. But we just like, yeah, we're good. It's like, no, it's okay to be like, nah, I'm not. Nah, today's is not the, I'm not, it's, today's not the day. So just realizing that it's okay to say that because, A, you're not the only person that feels that way. So if you do feel that way, just know you are loved. Even if you don't feel like it, you are loved. Somebody loves you. You are a need in somebody's life. Like there is somebody in this world that needs you there for them. So know that. Um... And I'm, I'm always going to be a big component of just get some therapy just so you have somebody to talk to professionally that can give you some advice that you need. Not the advice that you want, but the advice that you need because those are two different things. So to give you the advice that you need and to help you deal with anything you are dealing with. And once again, if you're listening to the Brodies for the first time, go ahead and subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify and iTunes. And we do this for you guys. Um, this, These are our stories, our words, but we definitely will not be doing this if it wasn't for you guys. As we are hitting milestones, we're excited for all those listening. So shout out to you guys. Uh, we want to grow, 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 grow. Uh, so please pass us along so that we can make this platform even bigger. If you would like to contact us, you can actually uh, DM the Brody's Pod on IG um, to let us know what some of your thoughts, what you want to um, possibly talk about in the future. Uh, but definitely subscribe. I'm Mr. Brown. I'm Cass. And I'm Gerard. And we are the Brodies. And wait until next time.